Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Lisanne. Hi, I'm Lisanne. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Hi, Lisanne. We good? Okay. Um, it's good to be here tonight. Thank you, Susan, who's not here, um, <laughs> for asking me to speak. And thank you so much for my water. Oh, Peter, thank you. Um, it's, you know, it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to share in my home group meeting. I love this meeting. Um, I just finished up a secretaryship at this meeting. My sponsor's at this meeting. My OA family's at this meeting. I have a sponsee that comes to this meeting. Um, This meeting is a huge part of my recovery, and I'm so grateful. Um, I want to welcome you if you're new. Welcome, you guys. And um, just tell you that, um, you know, this program works. It's a journey. Um, It's... it's, uh, you know, I feel like I've lived a lot of li- different lifetimes in OA. <laughs> They've looked very different. And um, and um, I happen to be in a place right now where I feel like I'm really in a state of grace. And um, and I'm really grateful. Um, you know, I, I've gotten so much from this program. Um, you know, the intimate relationships that I have with other people. I got to sit... I got to sit today and hear a fifth step with a sponsee, and, um, you know, what an honor that is to hear somebody's history and their truth, um, the honesty that they share, and it's, it's, there's something about that that is so incredible, and I feel really, you know, this program has given me that. It's given me the opportunity to be to have that kind of closeness. I don't like closeness. I don't want to be close. I don't like it. It scares me. Um, I'm afraid you're going to hurt me. Um, and this program has um, has opened me up to um, the ability to have that closeness with other people. And over the last couple of days, I've had these moments with sponsees where, you know, I've gotten off the phone with them and them, and I've been like. God, I just love her so much. Like, I get to love people. That's crazy because I don't love people. (laughs) People bother me a lot. Um, But I've gotten that here, and um, I'm so grateful. Um, So newcomers stay. There's so much you get to have here. Um, You know, joy and pain and (laughs) closeness and, you know, distance and... (laughs) Staying and running and all kinds of stuff. It's it's amazing. It's a roller coaster ride. Um, so, you know, I was thinking about this today, and um, you know, my father lives with me. I shared this last time I spoke here. I think he had just moved in with me. He's still there. <laughs> um, it's been so interesting having my dad live with me. I need to not hit the podium. Um, and I, what I'm realizing, like, my, my family's riddled with alcoholism. It's very clear. It's very clear that there's alcoholism in my family. 
But what I'm coming to find out through this experience of living with my dad is, you know, I think there are some compulsive eaters in my family. And, um, you know, my mom is an overweight woman, and um, I know my I have a sister who's a bulimic like me. And um, my father has a very interesting relationship with food. And, um, you know, he's somebody that gets up in the middle of the night and goes down in the kitchen and eats. And um, it's just been really interesting to kind of witness this fact that, you know, I think that there's some compulsive eating other than me in my family. Um, so I get to be an example of recovery. You know, my dad likes to talk to me about my about food sometimes. And uh, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Um, anyway, I, um, I started coming here, I think, in 2002. Um, I was sent here. Well, I was sent here originally. Well, I was told I was going to be sent here. I, I, you know, I'm in another 12-step program, and I told my sponsor that I couldn't stop throwing up, and she's, this is what she said to me. She said, if you don't stop throwing up, I'm going to make you call Leslie E., and I'm going to make you go to OA. And I was like, oh, and I swear to God, I stopped throwing up for two years on that alone. <laughs> and Leslie is my sponsor in this program. Um, and it's a gift. It is a gift. She works a rockin' program. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful to have her on my side and um, in my corner. And um, she is a voice of reason in my life. And she um, tells me the truth even when it hurts. And uh, and sometimes those truths are astounding to me. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, she'll say something, and I'll be like, the truth, it's such a deep truth that I'm like, <laughs> you know, and then I know I have to change it. And um, But that's where the change comes, you know. Awareness is always the beginning of change. Um, so, you know, I, I, um, I started coming to this program. Well, I guess I should back up. You know, I grew, I grew up in this family where there was a lot of alcoholism, and um, – I remember um, as a kid liking candy. We didn't have a lot of sweets and stuff in our in our house. Um, and, you know, my dad was a drinker, and he was gone a lot. And my mother was really angry that he wasn't there. And so she was always ch- trying to chase him down and find him and bring him home and keep him home. And I remember one time um, uh, she, uh, he, my dad told me this story about how um, she came. My mother came home from the grocery store and uh, parked the car in a no parking zone to bring the groceries up. And then she sent my dad down to get the car. And he went down to get the car, and there was a police officer there giving the car a ticket. And he's like, "Oh no, I'm moving it." And the police officer took his name and ran his name. My dad got arrested for jay. He had he had a jaywalking ticket that he never took care of. So they threw him in the car and took him, and like so he disappeared. And then he called my mom from the station, and he's like, "I got arrested." And she's like, "Good, that's where you belong." Click, and she hung up. <laughs> so she left him there for a little while. But that's, that was my parents' relationship. She was really angry at him. And, um, and I grew up in that environment. And um, my, coping skill, my coping mechanism was I, I uh, went to my room a lot, and I lived in my room, and I liked to read books, and I liked to be invisible. And, um, you know, I've carried that into my adult life, you know, and, and it's taken a long time to take off the invisibility cloak, you know. Um, you know, I, I'm not a joiner. I'm not a, you know, I, I don't really, I don't want to show up. But, you know, the structure of this program and the things that I learn here um, 
I've learned how to show up in my life, and I've learned how to enjoy that, which uh, is incredible. Um, so my food history is, um, I think, you know, I don't remember really having a, a strange relationship with food as a kid. I remember I had a friend who had a, a candy drawer at her house, and I was very interested in that, and I like to go over there a lot. Um, but in my house, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to, um, to, you know, I just don't remember having, you know, for, at one point we lived with my mother after my parents split up and we were on welfare and, and uh, we didn't, you know, like we'd get boxes of food given to us from churches and stuff and that food wasn't very appealing, I must say. So, um, so there wasn't a lot of binging or anything going on. But when I hit, uh, when I became a teenager, um, and, you know, you know, my relationships started getting more complicated with other girls and with, you know, then there were boys and um, all of that felt really, really uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. Um, and when I was 16 years old, I, I remember I felt sick one day and I stuck my finger down my throat because um, I wanted to feel better and it was really easy and... Uh, and it was just something that I continued to do. It wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was doing it for any particular reason, but then once I started doing it, it just became what I felt like was just part of who I was. And, um, and that's what I did. And I, and I guess in looking back on it, it, it was such an escape from being in the moment. Like I didn't have to feel anything because even if stuff was going on, I was thinking about what I was going to eat, um, and then and then I'd plan it in my head. So stuff could be going on around me, but I wasn't there because I was here in my head thinking. And and then I'd plan my binge, and then I'd get it all together, and then I'd go to my room, and I'd do it, and then I'd throw up. And I would just do that cycle over and over. Um, and I just remember it being it, – it was it – was, just a comforting feeling to like know that um, like that feeling of emptiness afterwards just felt so good to me I don't know it was just very comforting um, so you know I, I, I uh, you know I, I went to high school I you know I I, uh, I ended up moving out of my house my father's house when I was 18 and I um, you know I was doing other stuff at this time I was drinking and using and um and I, uh, I just left home. I was going to stay, you know, going out with a boyfriend one night, and I just left home. I just never came back. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's how I deal with life is I just disappear and never come back. Um, and so I was living with this guy, and I was, um, you know, I just continued to, uh, to, to binge and throw up throughout that whole relationship. I couldn't keep jobs. I was so... You know, I think just the effects of alcoholism on me um, in growing up in that family, I was so shut down. I just couldn't figure out how to um, be in the world, you know. Like, for me, even today, it's I, I struggle with wanting to go home. I just want to go home because home feels safe to me. It's it, Home to me when I was living in my house was my bedroom, you know, that just I could shut everybody out, and it was quiet, and I was there by myself, and that felt safe. And I still struggle with that today. It's gotten so much better because, you know, I surround myself with basically um, healthier people. You know, m most of my life is filled with recovery and people in recovery. So being with 
you know, these people isn't as scary as the people I used to surround myself with. Um, well, that's not true. I have surrounded myself in recovery with scary people, but not today. Um, <laughs> we've gotten better. Um, anyway, it just continued on. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll move forward to when I actually ended up coming to OA. Um, you know, I went to rehab for my other issues, and um, while I was there, it was the first time I ever told anybody that I was throwing up my food. And um, and I remember my counselor sent me to therapy, and um, you know, I start, They started monitor, monitoring me a little bit, and um, and I, I remember I, I my therapist had me mark on the calendar, you know the days when I was able to not throw up. And I think I got like 30 days or 28 days. And um, and then, you know, I, I couldn't do it anymore. And um, so I was sober and I was in recovery, but I could not stop throwing up. And I wasn't talking about it. When I left that facility, I was there for quite some time and I had my son there with me too. I, um, I had a son uh, in the last two years of my um, drinking and using. And... Um, and so he was 15 months old when I got sober, and I took him into that, that um, recovery place with me. And we were there for 20 months, and I got sober. And my life changed a lot. It really did. But what I got to realize um, is that my bulimia was really, um, I think, my, my main way of coping was, um, it, was such a, uh, it was such a distraction like, I really did not have to feel anything because I had that tool, and I carried it into my sobriety. And so for eight, my first eight years of sobriety, I was binging and throwing up. I was going to meetings. I was taking commitments. I was busy and active in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and I was throwing up. And what happened was, eventually, I got to a point in recovery where I wanted to live and, um, you know, and through that period of time, I had this little boy with me who I was raising by myself. And I was so distracted by food and vomiting and obsession with body and weight and all the stuff that goes along with this disease that um, he was, he was neglect. He wasn't, he had what he needed physically, but as far as my emotional presence in this kid's life, no, I was not there. And I didn't even realize till he was 16 years old that my role in his life was I was supposed to be raising a man. And I was like, when I realized, when I had that thought, like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be raising a man, I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. He's in trouble because that's not what I had been doing. Um, and, I, and I didn't ask anybody to help me with that either. Um, you know, it's funny how we are, like, or how I am. It's, you know, I'm, I'm this sick, compulsive-eating bulimic who thinks that she's enough for this kid, you know. Um, I just didn't really understand, I, I just didn't really realize, um, you know, how, how much that, you know, this disease was affecting my child. Anyway, so, um, so I, I wanted to live and I decided to start telling people about it and um, I had a, I talked to a girl who told me about OA and um, I started coming to meetings and, um, and I, and I just, I just, I was kind of, I was like, you, you use the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? Get your own freaking literature. I was, like, so mad, like, totally <laughs> judging. <laughs> Get your own literature. Um, how, how does, you know, how does the big book have anything to do with eating? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. And I left on a resentment. 
And that's when my sponsor at the time told me, you know, if I didn't stop, she was going to have me call Leslie and send me to OA. And, um, and so uh, I, I, I was able to stay, uh, stop throwing up for two years. And what ended up happening was um, that was when my insane um, dieting and calorie counting and body obsession and, like, the number on the scale, like, that just blew up. And I was, I was constantly, like, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And that crazy almost felt crazier than the throwing up, like, because when I was throwing up, I just did that, you know. But the thinking about all that stuff was maddening. And so my, my disease kind of took on another level. And eventually what ended up happening was those diets, I could only do those diets for so long, and I started throwing up again. And that was where I hit my bottom and um, surrendered to the program of Overeaters Anonymous. And, um, you know, I started coming to meetings, and uh, Leslie sponsored me back then, and I was a freaking lunatic. I, I like, if you, when you stop throwing up, it's like, I don't know how to eat, because I can eat whatever I want, because I throw up. You know what I mean? Like, I have no idea how to eat. And um, so I was not throwing up, and I didn't know how to eat, and I was crazy like I wanted to eat what I used to eat but I couldn't because otherwise I was going to get really fat and that was unacceptable so I was trying to find strategies like eating sugar-free well if you've ever eaten sugar-free chocolate you know and I don't even have to tell you and I'm not even going to describe it because it's really really bad um, I remember once, I don't know if Leslie remembers this, but I, I, I had eaten a bunch of sugar-free Reese's peanut butter cups, and I was so sick. I was so sick. I, was, I felt like I was gonna, I wanted to die. And I called her, and I was, I was like, I, I ate all these. I'm so sick. I can't. And she goes, do you still have them in the house? And I was like, yes. And she's like, go get them and flush them down the toilet. And so I was like flushing. It was like they, they were drugs, you know what I mean? So I'm getting rid of my Reese's peanut butter cups. And, uh, you know, it's, you know it's, it's trial and error here. We learn as we go. And, um, um, you know, and so, you know, in this pro- I've had a couple of relapses. I've... Um, I think I've relapsed twice with my vomiting, and, um, you know, some big things happened. And Actually, it was one big thing that happened in my life. But, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the process of learning how to eat in this program has been part of um, the journey here. And um, what ended up happening was um, I had some recovery. I had a couple of years of abstinence. I was working a food plan, and um, I think out of the dignity of choice, and um, and I met a guy, and I um, I got married. Okay, so let me just say this: I met a guy who scared the in, the Jesus out of me internally, but I kept ignoring it. I remember, like you know, we pray for God to show us the truth. Well, you have to listen for the answer, you know, and, um, and be willing, you know, it's like, you know, the knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry that out. Well, I was asking for the knowledge of his will, and he was showing me what that was, but I didn't have the power to carry out, you know, what he was asking me to do, which was, it wasn't the right relationship for me. So I, I, he was showing me these very interesting things about this guy, and I was like, huh, 
that's interesting. And then I just move on over here. Um, and so I ended up marrying this guy that was not a good fit. And it was a really, um, it was a really crazy relationship. Very, very insane. And we moved out of state. We moved to Florida. And um, I, I lost my abstinence while I was there. And um, I just started throwing up again. And um, and I, I threw up for, I don't know how long. It was probably, let's see, we moved out there in, I think, July. And I got abstinent out there, I think, in October. And so, um, so for that period of time, I was, you know, binging. Now, it's so interesting how, how that, even that part of my disease progressed. You know, because now I was living with not just my son, but this other person. So I would, like, buy food, and I would hoard it, and I would hide it, you know. So I started hiding food. And, um, and two, what would happen is I'd go to the market and, you know, cause to find it because there was something out there that was going to make it better. And I'd be going through the aisles looking for it, and it wasn't there. And so I'd, be just, I'd just start throwing things into the, my cart. And then I'd get home, and I'd be ripping bags open and eating, and that's not it. That's not And nothing was ever it. And that crazy, that madness is just, it's like there's, it, it's, this isn't it. It's not happening. And so um, I met a woman out there. I went to an OA meeting, and I met this this woman shared, and she was, you could tell she was like hardcore OA, like hardcore. And she reminded me of home. She reminded me of, you know, the recovery I had here. And I knew she was she was the one. Um, and I it took me two weeks to call her because um, I wasn't in enough pain yet. And uh, I finally called her, and um, what happened was she put me on. She worked the program uh, in a way where everybody that she worked with was on the same food plan. And so I surrendered to that, and I did that for a long time. So I weighed and measured my food, and I called her every day, and I committed my food, and I ate what I committed. And if I made any changes, I called her and told her or asked her. And, um, and I did that. Um, I, was, I stayed in Florida until... Um, June of 2006, and um, and from October of 05 to June of 06, I did that every day with this woman. She saved my life out there. She saved my life. I always say, Stacy taught me how to eat. Like I learned how to eat from her, and I learned what freedom from the obsession was with her, and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, but what happened was I ended that marriage, and I came home, and I thought, I'm coming home. I'm going to hit the ground running. My people are all here, you know, all my programs, all my meetings. This is it. And I got here, and once everything settled, because I came home, I didn't have a job. Thank you. I didn't have um, I didn't have a place to live. I stayed on someone's, my son and I stayed on someone's couch for three, three, uh, three weeks. But within a month, I had a job and an apartment. Like, it was like, I wasn't scared because I just knew it was all going to be okay. But once I got here and everything settled, the reality of what I had done with this man all came crashing down. And it was too much for me, and I started throwing up again. And it was a really dark period. And, um, it, you know, it's like I, I, there was a part of me that knew the grace would come again. But I just didn't know when. And when you don't know when, it's like, it's so scary. And it's like, how, how bad is it going to have to get, you know? And um, 
you know, it was seven months. It was seven months. And, um, and I, with, and during that period of time, I was really working the steps on my sex and love relationships and, um, and really looking at my strategies around that because that relationship was so devastating. It, the fact that I chose that for myself was so devastating to me. Um, and, and what ended up happening as I worked the steps is that I got to find out, like, this was a per- like, I always, like, he was a liar. He was a liar. He was not a liar. He was showing me all those things. Oh, that's interesting. That was him showing me this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I need from you. And I was the one that said, okay. I was the one that said, okay, when it was really not okay. I was the liar. I was shocked to find out that I was the liar, that I was the liar. So even that became a gift in my life, that relationship that was so hard and so painful. And I get to share the recovery that I got from that with other women. It's really amazing. Um, So I ended up getting abstinent again. I remember I was at a meeting, um, and I told this girl. I I, I didn't really know her. I just told her that I couldn't stop growing up, and she was in OA. Of course she was. Of course. We were in a a totally different meeting that wasn't OA, and of course she was in OA. And she said, said, you know, you don't have to live like that anymore. Do you think you cannot throw up, you know, tonight? And I was like, I don't know. And that was, and I went home, and I binged, and I threw up. And that was the last time. The next day I ended up getting abstinent. And um, that was in February of 2007. And I've been abstinent ever since. Um, a lot has happened since then. I've worked through a lot of different things. You know, that relationship with my son, I got to see the truth about that and how neglectful I had been, and um, and I got to change my behavior with him, and I got to show up in his life in a more meaningful way. And, um, you know, I have to admit, I think he's one of us. I'm saving a seat for that kid. Um, it's really hard and painful to see that, but I kind of feel like, he grew up in that environment, you know. I taught him well, you know. You know, and and it's so interesting. He spends a lot of time alone, and um, and it's hard. Like I, I want him. I, I so want more for him. But I remember, like, I was in my 30s when I got abstinent from the food, and um, God, that's a long time away for him. But um, <laughs> but um, but I remember the safety that I felt being at home with my food. Like, I didn't want relationships with people because I had food, you know. And that's something I want to just share really quickly is that of all the things that I'm grateful for is in this program and this recovery is and through working the steps is the, the, um, the, you know, that I don't have an abnormal relationship with food anymore. You know what I mean? It's like food is food. And um, and I don't eat perfectly, and my food's not perfect. And, you know, I try and eat as healthy as possible. I'm, you know, getting older, and, and my body does not accept certain things any longer. And, um, you know, sometimes I eat them anyway. Um, but uh, but I, I really, my life today is about, you know, as I get older, I want to stay healthy. And I want to stay strong. And, and you know, um, watching my mom walk around in pain is really hard. Um so that has changed. And then my relationship with my body, you know, that to me, I don't want to loathe my body anymore. I, I don't want to do that. My body works hard every day for me. I do not want to hate it. And so um, 
I get up and I dress it well and I and I put on clothing that fits so I don't have to hate it all day long. Because <laughs> if my clothes are tight, I hate my body. Um, but I learned that was a tool my sponsor gave me early on was wear clothing that fits the body you're in today. And I do that. And sometimes I still get caught in the closet and then I just pick something that I know I'll be okay in. You know, even if I wore it the day before, I'll throw it back on, you know. Because I don't want to go out in the world hating my body. Because it takes me out of the moment with you. It takes me out of the moment with you. Um, and also just this idea of shame about food. You know, I, I, had a, I had a sponsor say something to me once that made me so angry. I could not believe she said it. I was pissed for months afterwards. But I look at it as a gift today because it made me change my perspective about shame about food. And what she said was, I had a perfect day with food. I had weighed and measured everything. But when I got home, and I had committed my food, but when I got home from work and had to prepare my dinner, I was starving, and I was so afraid I was going to pick up sugar or do something crazy. So I had some grapes in my refrigerator, grabbed a handful of grapes. I ate the grapes while I was preparing my meal. And then I told her the next day, and she said, you know, next time, rather than grapes, why don't you grab a handful of carrots? And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, what does that have to do? I was so crazy over it. But what? I, and you know what? There's. It's not about the food. It's just for her. That's something that she needs. But for me, like, I felt successful because to me, a grapes are a healthy choice. But some people may not feel that way. And so I, you know, I got. It helped me change my perspective about the things that I put in my body. I can eat whatever I want, really. I can. And I don't have to hate myself over it. Like now, putting what I put in my body does not equal loathing. It just has been removed somehow. And I am really grateful for that because that was something that I thought was really curious. You know, like, how can this thing I'm putting in my body make, my, make me hate myself? That seemed weird to me. Like, it just didn't make sense. And um, over this last couple of years, that has been removed, and I'm so grateful. Um, so many gifts in this program. You know, I, I work the steps with others. You know, I share when I'm asked to share. Um, I have sponsorship. I, you know, I have a great OA family that I absolutely adore. I love you guys so much. Um, I love this meeting, and um, I'm just really grateful for my recovery. Thanks. Can I talk about my higher power? Um, I can. You know, it's funny. Um, when I first uh, started seeking, you know, I was in program for a long time, and I didn't really get what I was doing here, you know. But I didn't really get how what the steps were, how they applied to me, and I didn't really... Um, I, just did, I just did it because that's what everybody was doing, but I didn't really... Um, see myself really in it. It was all kind of talk. When I got into enough pain, I really, um, I really surrendered to, the, to working the steps of this program. And I remember um, I had a friend uh, that was sponsored by a, the same woman as me uh, back in the day, and um, we would email during the day. And I remember, like, for me, the sun, I love sunshine. I love sunlight. I love that brightness. So... Like my higher, I always thought like, oh, the sun's always there, even when there's, even when it's cloudy, it's there. Like the clouds can can block it, but it's still there. 
and that's kind of how my character defects are. Like, my character defects can block God, but he's still there. And so it started out with that, and then I was having this conversation with this girl via email. We were telling a story about, like, we were aliens on the planet, and and, uh, the, the mothership carried the message, but we couldn't hear it because we were new. And our sponsor was the receiver, <laughs> so that she would get the message from the mothership, and then she'd share it with us. And we were going back and forth telling the story to each other, and I swear, I was like, oh, my God, that makes sense to me. And so it started there for me. And, um, you know, it's, it's changed over the years. You know, I have a personal relationship, um, but really what I focus every day on is the way that the program works, you know. Um, the, step that, the steps of this program are life-changing. They're, they're, like, I've had a spiritual experience as the result of these steps, and I... Um, I get to carry that message to other people, and that message is carried to me through other people, and I feel like it's really God-inspired. Um, I feel like God is here with us all the time, and I get to hear him and see him through you guys. And, uh, you know, in the mornings I, I read literature and I pray and I, and I do some, a few minutes of meditation every day, and I connect with God um, and I try and look for God during the day in different ways. Uh, I love when I see it through my sponsees. One of my sponsees the other day, I gave her a direction. I said, I want, you to, I want you to start looking in your day for five things where you see God. And so um, one morning, we were, her, I'll wrap up with this, but one morning her and I were talking about, um, about she needed to get some new strategies other than picking up, like make a phone call, read some literature, do some step work. And so... She was like, oh, that's great, that's great. So that night she went to a meeting, and the topic at the meeting was, what do you do in place of, you know, picking up food? And she was like, that was my God moment. And I was like, yeah, that's amazing. So, you know, God is everywhere. He's in all of us. It talks about that in the big book, that deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. So um, that's where I find him, and um, I thank you all for my life. Thank you.